Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My mom just happened to be passing. I just started jumping up and down. So like on the phone, I'm cool. But on, like in real life, I'm like jumping up. And she's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, author Sarah Nicholas, and literary agent Sarah N. Fisk. Sarah Das was born in Trinidad, but has lived in Tobago since she was two years old. She works as an office administrator by day and writes stories about the Caribbean by night. When she's not writing, she's reading or taking walks with her Dotson, Stella. Sarah's debut novel, Where the Rhythm Takes You, is inspired by her childhood spent in a seaside hotel. So please welcome Sarah to the show. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about your journey to publication, and we're going to start by going back to the beginning. So when did you first start getting interested in writing? And then how long did it take from there before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? My interest in writing uh, goes back so far. I can't even like say a specific point. With stories in particular, like um, my father used to read uh, bedtime stories to me when I was really young and I'd memorize them. <laughs> and like he was so impressed by this. He used to make me recite them from memory in front of family and then friends and like parties and stuff and uh, I used to really enjoy that but you know after a while I'd end up like forgetting bits and pieces (laughs) so I'd fill them in with my own version Mm -hmm. of the stories after a while I just started making entire stories up on the spot I can't imagine doing that now like (laughs) that would terrify me when I was younger I used to really enjoy that and um, eventually I started writing them down uh, I started doing um, what is now, I guess, considered Nancy Drew fan fiction because I used to mm. love those books. I used to devour them and I used to run out of books to read. So I ended up just writing my own version so you know, and hearing <laughs> myself. And um, so those were like my first writings. For a long time, though, I never finished anything. So I'd like start projects uh, and then sort of leave them at like, 40,000 words, 30,000 words, and never moved past that. And this went on for years up till about I was done with university. And that's when I really started uh, writing for, you know, with the aim of publishing, uh, really like buckling down. Because I suppose, you know, real life is right there. (laughs) No more school. (laughs) Just like now or never. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about the moment that you realized that you wanted to be a published author and also what you thought that that might look like for you? Again, I don't think there's like a specific moment, but I can tell you, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's horribly dated and just honestly, it's not a very good movie. Um, It's called Alex and Emma. So it was a Kate Hudson movie. It's really terrible. I do not recommend it. But (laughs) the main character in it was a writer. 
and it was really about um he's a writer and he's on a deadline like seriously he owes like the mob money or something like that I can't remember exactly <laughs> and he needs to submit his uh draft in 30 days so he hires a stenographer who's played by Kate Hudson I think it was Luke Wilson actually was lead if I remember correctly the way he did it he basically just narrated the entire story to her which is obviously like ridiculous like <laughs> that would never work but he just made it look so fun mm. and i was already interested in you know writing a book at that point and so i thought oh so this is what you do you just uh, start at the beginning end at the end it goes quickly <laughs> and i <laughs> of course that's so easy yeah yeah it's, it's easy yeah but he that movie just made it look a lot of fun and i thought that that's what it would be like but obviously having actually written a book i know that's not it's not that word. <laughs> that's funny written several books now yeah <laughs> so once you started getting serious about pursuing publication how did you learn more about the publishing industry like how it works how to query how to go about everything yeah so this would have been like early 2010s when i was first like researching stuff so a lot of it was like tumblr <laughs> tumblr stuff or like uh, i found query tracker and I thought that was really useful in terms of like looking up agents and like what genres they represented and what they were looking for. Um, even before I'd written, finished the book, I was like, planning out who I'm going to query. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it was just basically a lot of online searching and looking at um, what other authors said about it. There was also, I think, is it the Nelson agency? I think that's who, yeah, she had like a blog, a, a blog online where she used to like, mm-hmm. yeah, I used to read that like a lot. <laughs> was it Pub Rants? I think hers was Pub Rants. Right? Was that it? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, it's been so long now. I can't remember. But yeah, all of that, you know, and, you know, no book actually written yet, but already, already <laughs> planning, you know. <laughs> nice. You know, later on, you know, when I um was actually in a trench, quarry trenches and so on, then it was like, by that point, they were like podcasts, you know. And that it was available. So at that point, you know, I started branching out and learning a bit more. But for the most part, it was just like those early query tracker kind of comments in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Can you break down for us your journey from getting serious about publication to signing your first book contract? Like I said, the book that was written with the aim for publication. Oof. Okay. so uh this is a bit embarrassing but i'm gonna go for it um so this book i call it my learning book because honestly i did learn how to write from it i learned how to finish a book i learned how to revise a book how to share it with other people (laughs) other writers how to take feedback and then how to use it uh but that book oof um (laughs) 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 it was a new adult science fiction with strong dystopian and romantic elements and it was like over 120,000 words Mm. so (laughs) you know for a a literary agent that's a lot of red flags for a debut (laughs) (laughs) Um, especially back in um this would have been 2015 16 you know at the end of the dystopian Mm -hmm. yeah that has already passed. 
<laughs> it's a lot of red flags, but like, I loved that book. I was like convinced that someone was going to just read it and they're going to recognize how brilliant it is and they were going to love it. <laughs> um, looking back now, I'm like, ooh, that book, oh, thank goodness I did not debut with that book. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, I was really, I was really confident in it and I sent out, I tried to check to see exactly how much, um, but the email that was with that query tracker, I've lost it. So I couldn't see exactly, but I know for a fact it was over a hundred queries mm. um, on that one. And also it wasn't just, um, it was also multiple rounds. So I had queried as a, a new adult book, but then after some revision, uh, some feedback, I had gotten it down to under a hundred thousand words and I made it young adult. Mm. Um, so I had done like a different querying after and all that I'm including in the hundred, but like it did not do very well at all <laughs> and like understandable like you know I am you know I'm not embarrassed that I tried because I think that even though you're like stepping out of the box or book if you really believe in it like still try but like go into it with the mindset that um this is likely not going to work and you have to know <laughs> that going into it but at the time, I did not go into it with that mindset. I went into it with like, somebody's going to recognize that this is brilliant and they're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, I was really disappointed when the um, rejections started coming in. But as we were coming down to like the last few rejections, like I, I saw that the, like we were um, past 100. It was coming down to the last set. Uh, I knew, okay, this book is not working. Um, so what I did was I started a new one. And those rejections really like lit a fire under me because I ended up writing this book and, you know, revising it uh, within four months, mm. which is the fastest I have ever written anything. I've never written anything that fast before and not, not, not afterwards. <laughs> but another factor that really like drove it was the fact that it was a contemporary book. Mm-hmm. Not only was it a contemporary book, it was a contemporary book that I had set in my home country, like in Tobago, uh, a young adult book. Um, I ended up using a lot of stuff that, you know, I was familiar with um, and the entire experience was easier, but also like a lot more fun. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. So something sort of clicked and I sort of felt like, you know, I love writing other genres as well. I love reading other genres, but contemporary is my favorite. And I think right now that is what I was supposed to be writing. Mm. And it just felt right. So yeah, four months (laughs) really quickly. And I queried it, and the difference was amazing to me because I ended up getting way more full requests on that one than I did on the first one. It was almost like, uh, I think it was like 48% Mm, full requests. It's like almost half. (laughs) It was way different, very different. (laughs) But even though it was getting like good request rates, I was still getting rejections. And a lot of the feedback I was getting was like, we love the writing, we love the setting, but the plot's not holding up. So I knew I was going to have to do a revision. And around this time, what should come about but Pitch Wars. (laughs) (laughs) It was like perfect timing, actually. And the thing was, I wasn't even going to enter. I almost let it pass uh, because I had entered the year before with the other book Mm. and got nothing. So I was like... Do I even want to put myself through this? I'm already getting a lot of rejection. Do I want more? <laughs> like, why am I inviting more into my life? But on the very last day of the entry window, I was like, okay, you know what? Why not? 
And I'm so glad that I did because I honestly do think that that sort of changed the entire trajectory of my um, of my writing on the road to publication. Honestly, I think that made a huge difference. And honestly, I know it's no longer around, and like that hurts because I I really do uh, cherish that that um, experience. Mm-hmm. And I was so lucky, I think, to have been a part of it. So I worked with a mentor who helped me, like, uh, give me feedback and, you know, advice. And we revised the book. It was with um, Lizzie Dent, who was an amazing writer, very funny. (laughs) (laughs) She, you know, she gave me a lot of advice and really, like, held my hand through that part. And uh, we went, uh, there's an agent showcase where agents request uh, if they want to see it or not. I got, uh, I can't remember exactly, but it wasn't a lot because this was like the year of like children of blood and bone and all these like serpents and dove and like all these big <laughs> splashy books. Oh, but- so comparatively speaking, my my uh, quieter young adult contemporary didn't like make a huge splash, but I did get a, a, good, a, a good amount of requests. Uh, all of them said no. <laughs> <laughs> but what I also did was after I sent that out to them, was I also queried uh, other agents including those that had requested the full before I had done the pitch wars revision. So I had asked them like, okay, so you were interested in the full before. Um, do you mind, um, do, are you interested in looking at it again now that it has been through a pitch wars revision? You know, be very upfront with it. Don't try and sneak it in like, mm-hmm. like a new book. Because, <laughs> you know, agents, you know, they're looking for novels. So, you know, just be upfront with them. A lot of them did actually agree to look at it again, including uh, my now agent. (laughs) So (laughs) I sent it to her again, the revised version. You know, I always had a good feeling about her because she sent me one of the, in the initial rejection, she had sent me like the nicest rejection letter like I've ever read. It was very thoughtful and I could see like she got the heart of the book and what I was trying to do. And um, it was just really nice. And so I would remembered her and I was like, I was really excited to try and see if she would be interested in the new version. And she was. And then I remember it was like a couple weeks later, I was, I knew exactly where I was. I never forget. I was in a um, workshop for my day job, a special workshop they were having. And I was like, zoning out a little bit, honestly. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and all of a sudden this notification came up on my phone, which is not, which is sitting on the desk. And I saw her name pop up and I was like, oh no. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I had the feeling, but I was like, um, literally sitting center right in front of the teacher. <laughs> 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 so like my, like I had to like control my like emotions. I didn't want to, you know, make her think that I wasn't listening. So I'm like staring straight ahead. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely listening to you right now. Nothing else is going on in my mind. Um, and it went on for like a really long time. <laughs> I think it was like two hours more I had to oh, wait and then as soon as it was done I I opened it opened the mail and she wanted a call and I was so excited I was so excited <laughs> um, about it and cause I was like I had like I said I had a really good feeling about her and I was really happy it was her specifically had reached out so we scheduled a call and while we were on it it was I think it was more of a it was not an offer right away. Mm. It's a little more complicated. It wasn't, and it wasn't a revise and resubmit. So it was something in the middle. Uh, the situation. She was like, um, we had to talk about the book, uh, what she liked, what she didn't like, 
Um, and then we started talking about possible changes that could be made. And she actually made the suggestion. Um, she's like, the romance in, in the book sort of reminded her of the one in Persuasion. And she was like, have you ever considered, you know, writing a retelling? And I had, but like not for Persuasion specifically. Um, and of, of course, I do love Persuasion. It's one of my favorite books. So I was excited she even brought it up. And we started talking about like other retellings, like uh, when Diplomat Rishi and like what we liked about them and so on. You know, by the end of the phone call, we agreed to have another one about a month later after I'd had time to sort of think about the changes and so on. So we did. Uh, so I did. I hung up the phone. I thought about it for a bit. A couple of days later, all of a sudden, like these ideas started coming. <laughs> and I got really excited about the idea of a persuasion retelling in particular. And I knew like I wanted it set in a hotel. I wanted the ex to be a musician. I wanted like I just started getting all these ideas. And I don't think my agent knows this, but even before we had that second call, I had already started writing it because <laughs> I was so excited about it. I was like, this idea is brilliant. And I, and I started uh, really connecting with the character and I started it just started coming really easily. When we did have the second phone call, I was like, OK, so this is what I'm thinking. If we're going to do a retelling, we're doing a full retelling. So it's like a full rewrite. Um, we're going to use the setting, you know, the character voice. And, um, but I'm going to really change the story to be a retelling. Mm. Um, and I laid it out for her, what I was thinking. And she was like, she got as excited about it as I was. And she's like, I love this. I think I, I, I think I know exactly the editors for this. I'd like to sign you. And that's, <laughs> that's how I got and that's nice. how I got signed. Um, yeah, so I was excited. I was literally, like, at the time I was on the phone call with her, I was, like, walking around the house and talking because I was like, I couldn't be still because I was so excited about it. And mm. uh, when she said that, my mom just happened to be passing. I just started jumping up and down. So, like, on the phone, I'm cool. But, on, like, in real life, I'm like, <laughs> and she's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, that's how I got my agent. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, in terms of the journey to uh, publication, uh, I worked on the book for like a year and a half. Mm. You know, um, my agent was like giving me feedback. And, you know, what I loved was really she has she and I have really good, like similar tastes, which I think is really helpful with an agent. You know, like if you like the same things. Mm -hmm. And I think she's got a really good eye for character as well. So that's uh, really helpful to work with her. Like I, I learned this is another learning book as well. I think most debut books are. Um, <laughs> uh, I learned a lot writing it. Um, it's a year and a half. By the time I finished it, it was about, it's just about summertime in the US. Yeah. So we were a little hesitant to send it out right away. Mm. You know, we'd heard, I, well, I know I heard some stuff about, you know, like publishing, slowing down in, in the summertime. And Wendy was like, you know, my agent, she was like, she really believed that the book would sell quickly. Um, and she didn't want a situation coming up where we had an auction or something or like we had like a had to do like a deadline and then some editors were on vacation mm -hmm. because then that would be a problem. The irony of this is when we went out in September, a lot of the editors were still on vacation. So it didn't really <laughs> end up mattering. Anyway, but she really believed in the book, uh, which is it's just good to have because, you know, when you're going into submission, you're like a ball of nerves. Like it's you know and just to have somebody who's very supportive and very on your side and like you know giving you the information you need um is is really helpful so we went out in september i think it was like the first week ish i can't remember exactly but it was early september 
within like two weeks we got the first offer mm. which was, which is amazing because like honestly I was convinced it would be longer like my agent kept telling me like don't worry it'll you don't worry you'll get an offer and I was like you try to to manage your expectations you hope for the best but it's like you hear a lot of stories and like I was prepared to wait mm-hmm. and so it kind of blew my mind a little bit that someone had read it so quickly and had already offered on it and that sort of kicked off an auction sort of situation you know so when we got that offer my agent reached out to all the other editors and was like okay um there's an offer if you're interested you know you gotta <laughs> um yeah you know feel free to jump in so I, I I'm assuming she phrased it better than that um <laughs> and strangely enough uh, in mid-September, I also went on vacation. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what was going on. It was 2019. So this was like before everything happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, vacations were still a thing um, in different countries. <laughs> so I went uh, away. Um, I visited my sister. She was in Texas at the time. So I was staying with her for a little bit. So all this was going on while I was on vacation, the auction itself. Uh, I remember it was really... The situation itself is already like really surreal. So being on vacation just made it so much weirder Mm -hmm. because like at certain points I was like taking calls, like, you know, in a museum because it was like we were already (laughs) supposed to go at the time. And all of a sudden I had to like talk to my agent, like behind a sarcophagus, you know, like in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) There was anywhere. (laughs) But yeah, so we went to auction. And like I mentioned, some of the, the editors were on vacation. So we had to like wait a little bit longer for it. Um, uh, and it ended up going till like about mid October, I want to say. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> honestly, for me, it w- had been one of the most exciting experiences related to publishing, but it was also one of the most stressful mm-hmm. because so I had to speak to uh, all the editors before we went to the actual auction, um, just so I could feel them out, you know, hear what they thought of the book what sort of revisions they thought it could use and like what their plans would be to promote it and so on, all of that. And I had to sort of hear them out. And these are like, um, these are people who've, you know, worked with some of my favorite <laughs> authors and for all these, like these, these big houses and like um, with um, work on best-selling books. Like, so, you know, it's really, it's just a lot, <laughs> especially for me who, you know, I've gotten a little bit better at it just, because I've had to do all these promotions for the books. Like, I don't like talking on the phone and stuff. <laughs> it's, it, you know, I was really nervous at the time. My agent really, um, she was on the calls with me. So that really helped as well. So like if I like got too nervous and forgot to ask something, she would like jump in and sort of help um, with that as well. Um, so we talked to all of them and um, auction day came about. And <laughs> I think I was like, it was most of that is a blur because I was just so nervous the whole time. But in the end, we did end up going with um, Donna Bray of Balza and Bray, Alpha Collins. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's just, um, you know, an amazing editor. I think that she's worked with some really great people like um, Angie Thomas and Becky Albertalli. So I was like, that alone, I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, that like, if I had, you know, uh, gone with any of the other editors, I think I would have been in good hands as well because they were all like really talented. You know, they I feel like they really got the book, but I am happy with Donna. I think that she really understood the heart of where the rhythm takes you, which I I hope you guys have realized that's the book I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention it. Yes, yeah, so that <laughs> book in question, which is, is now my debut novel, Where the Rhythm Takes You. 
So that is how I got my editor. And then May 2021, Where the Wither Takes You was published. Yeah. All right. It is time for the first cue of the podcast. Can you read your successful query letter for us? Okay, I want to preface this by explaining that this query letter is not for Where the Rhythm Takes You. It's for the book that got me my agent, which I then worked on, uh, Where the Rhythm Takes You with. I also want to say um, I recognize this is not a very good query letter looking back at it. <laughs> um, it it's fine, uh, especially um, because I think I, I didn't include this part in it because it was this is the first version Um but I did change to add in a part about the pitch wars later on. And I think that also helped, you know, get people's attention later on. Um, but okay, I'll stop stalling now. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop stalling and read it for you. I submit for your consideration, Exora Drive, an own voices, young adult, romantic, contemporary, set in Trinidad and Tobago. It is complete at 74,000 words. The loser who said it was better to have loved and lost never got publicly rejected, and definitely not in front of the gossipy community of Madarine Bay, Tobago. If heartbreak and humiliation taught 17-year-old Raina anything, it was to stare clear of the handsome boys next door. Since then, Raina's clawed her way to the top of her class, caught in a cutthroat competition for a scholarship at her dream school. Sure, she has no life outside her books, but at least she's not the school's laughingstock anymore. But when Raina's old neighbor returns to Tobago, reviving old rumors and feelings she worked hard to keep buried, Raina will learn there are times to play it safe and times to risk it all, including her heart. Exora Drive is a standalone novel that will appeal to fans of To All the Boys I've Loved Before and Jenny Han and Lola and the Boy Next Door by Stephanie Perkins. I have an MSc in crime and forensic science. My days are spent working as an office administrator, but my nights are dedicated to crafting whimsical stories about growing up and living in the Caribbean. Thank you so much for your time and consideration. I look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks. So how has your experience been since signing your contract, especially were there any surprises along the way? One of the biggest surprises was just the amount of people that read your book before it's published. Mm. Like, I remember very distinctly, like, somebody in the publishing house that, you know, not the editor, but somebody else had complimented the book, had been on the phone, one of the phone calls, and they'd read the book. And I was like, how many people are reading this book? Like, <laughs> it's a very, it's a weird feeling, because um, I think that, you know, when you're first querying and, and so on, you have, like, a certain control over who, who gets the book, you know, like, your beta readers and so on, you're like, you know who's reading it. But then after a while, it gets a life of its own, sort of. <laughs> even more so now that it's published. But I think that first sort of, I don't even know who's reading it, sort of moment, sort of like that freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> and the number of people who worked on it to get to publication, like how many copy editing, that was that was actually like, I think the, the biggest eye opener and also like my favorite part <laughs> of the process. Just like, looking at like they're, they're brilliant people like honestly they, they catch these little the little things that I hadn't even like be like couldn't even begin to think of or notice you know in the book that experience especially was very eye-opening for me as well yeah it is time for our quick round I call it author DNA it's just categories that we like to put writers in are you a pantser or a plotter both but I lean towards pantser now yeah okay yeah. <laughs> 
Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? Over. Way over. Do you prefer to write in the morning or at night? Night. Yeah. When starting a new project, do you typically start with character or plot or concept or something else first? Uh, it goes concept, plot, and then character. Mm. Yeah. In terms, it comes back to that original question about the plotting or pantsing. I would say that I plot plots and then I pants characters. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. Yeah, I have a problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> When writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? Silence. Yeah, I can't, I can't work with any kind of sound, really. When it comes to the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? Get it down and get it down as fast as possible. What tools or software do you use to draft? Word. Uh, I have Scrivener, but like I've had it for like two years, but I'm so intimidated <laughs> by it. I haven't used it yet. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? Revising, particularly like the last set. I really love the sort of, you know, and making the language sort of pretty and tidying up. I, I like that process. The first part was like too, too much, like too nerve wracking for me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you write in sequential order or do you hop around? Always sequential. I cannot imagine hopping around. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> And final quick round question. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? Introvert. Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely. So the show is called Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. We already heard your query and now we're going to talk about the second cue. What were some of the worries that you had on your journey and were they realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out? So in terms of worries, I think like there's a common stuff, you know, like imposter syndrome, just like, am I good at this you know has somebody made a mistake are they going to like change their minds at some point like that <laughs> it's the constant it's still there it's still a worry that I've had there's also this sort of fear because I'm writing from like a very marginalized group you don't see a lot of Trinidad and Tobagoian books published in America so there's this sort of fear that you know the people reading the book this might be their only exposure to Trinidad and Tobagoians and that I think is terrifying because like there's so many different stories here, so many different experiences, so many perspectives. I don't want mine to be like the only one that people take away from it. But I do hope that reading the book sort of, you know, sparks curiosity to like check out other Trinidad and Tobagoian or Caribbean authors as well. Um, because there's there's such a range here and, you know, so much talent and yeah, I just don't want to be the only one. <laughs> and that is very intimidating, you know, you don't wanna you don't want to get something too wrong. The only way I really, like, it's still something I deal with. But for now, I'm sort of, you know, going with the mindset of, you know, doing the best I can, um, listening to feedback and sort of just being as honest as I can within my experience. Cool. And now it's time for the third cue. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? When I get stuck... I like to walk around a lot. So, so like, I literally, like, uh, family members have, like, seen me, like, walking around and muttering to myself. It's probably because I'm trying to work, work through something. <laughs> I do a lot of walking around and talking to myself sometimes. And um, 
and startling people. Like I, I have uh, my dog Stella, who you mentioned in the bio. Um, <laughs> um, she'll like she'll walk around with me. She'll she'll like she'll just follow oh. me around the house. Like, what are you doing? What's what's going on here? She'll just walk after me. <laughs> yeah, she's like, where are we going? Yeah. Oh, just back to the living room. Literally, okay. like, oh, we're in a circle. Okay, all right. So <laughs> going, and she'll do. She'll, and the thing is, she'll just do the whole the whole time with me. <laughs> which Aww. is so cute it's really cute yeah yeah when you were in the lowest parts of your journey what kept you going and why did you stick to it the lowest part in my journey I very distinctly remember a very bad night I had it was uh just after pitch wars I think maybe a couple of weeks after so it was like when I was started getting rejections again after pitch wars mm. and I sort of felt like okay so I'd gone through this entire experience and like it's still you know, it wasn't working. And that made me like really upset. And I had a really bad night and where I was like, I'm done, I'm giving up. But then, you know, I got through the night and the next morning came and the next morning came and it got easier, you know, and I kept, I kept writing and sort of, you know, anytime after that, anytime now, I sort of start doubting myself or like feeling like upset about you know, my writing or something with publication, I sort of remember that night. And I remember that that feeling did pass. And knowing that that feeling did pass is what lets me know that, you know, this experience, this will pass as well. Mm. Yeah. What are some of the biggest mistakes you feel like you made along the way to publication that you might want to warn listeners about? So hopefully that'll make the same ones. Okay, so I talked about my first book. I don't consider it a mistake. I just want to say I don't consider it a mistake. But I will say I think I spent way too much time on it. I think, you know, finally letting go of it and writing that next book, that is what pushed me forward. And I think at a certain point, you have to just look at what you're writing. If it's not working and just work on something else. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it, you know, you think it still has potential, maybe take a break from it and try something else. My writing also improved once I started writing books that I wanted to read mm. specifically and coming at it from that mind frame. Like, would I be interested in reading this concept in this book? Like, what about this would, would um, appeal to me? And would this keep my interest? And looking at it from that point of view really, I think, changed um, the way I approached books as well. Nice. Can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey to publication? I think... Just finishing things, I think, is my biggest lesson I've taken away from it. Because for years, I just would not finish anything. I would get like either distracted by a shiny new idea or just like lose steam, like lose confidence in what I was working on. Like, I'm wasting my time on this. I can let me try something else. Um, and it wasn't until I finished a book and kept finishing books that I knew that I could do it and kept doing it and I got more confidence in it. Um, so I recommend whatever you're working on, if it's a short story, if it's a novel, you know, whatever you're working on, a poem, you know, finish, finish stuff. <laughs> and I think, and revise it and work on it. And I think that's the best. Yeah, that was the biggest uh, takeaway I had from all those years. Yeah, that's great advice. So I call this the acknowledgements portion of the podcast. This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. Who are some of the people or even organizations who helped you along the way and how? So first, I just want to mention my agent because, yeah, she's been amazing, very supportive, really believed in me the whole time, which, you know, I think is really valuable to have someone behind you. And what's her name? Uh, Wendy Gu. 
yeah, so anyone interested in querying her, you know, you've got my uh, approval. <laughs> <laughs> and Donna, my editor, has been great. Everyone who helped with the debut book, you know, um, all the publicists, all the everybody in marketing and sales, um, they've been amazing. Um, they really, you know, they got the book and like, I really appreciated that. And then, you know, even back to Pitch Wars, everyone who was involved, like my mentor, uh, all the author friends that I made, you know, all the organizers, like I'm eternally grateful for that experience. Also, my debut group, a bunch of amazing authors and like, you know, so supportive, not just like sharing um, resources or, you know, experiences and so on but also just supporting each other like they've been amazing I definitely recommend um you know debut authors join a group so it, it makes the process so much easier since we heard about your book that never really got published can you tell us about where the rhythm takes you before you go sure where the rhythm takes you is a young adult contemporary retelling of Jane Austen's persuasion and it is set in Trinidad and Tobago, Tobago specifically, because uh, it's where I grew up. 17-year-old Reina gets a second chance at first love when her ex-boyfriend, Aiden, returns after a couple years abroad, during which he's become a famous musician. Um, but now he's back, and he's staying at the seaside resort that Reina's family owns and where she works. And they reunite, and old sparks reignite. Nice. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story with my listeners. Thank you for having me on. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queries, Qualms, and Quirks. You can find the text of Sarah's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd help me find new listeners by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.